Ransomware remains one of the most dreaded cyber threats of the decade, but for the ransomware attack to be initiated, attacker must have your credentials. And one such enabler of ransomware operations are info stealers. According to SecureWorks counter threat unit researchers, on a single day in June 2022, over 2 million credentials obtained by info stealers were made available for sale on just one underground marketplace. Now, Checkpoint estimates that up to 21% of malware worldwide is made up of info stealers. In today's podcast for Future CISO, we are joined by Mr. Alex Tilly, Head of Intelligence Research for Asia Pacific at SecureWorks, to shed light on how to counter the rise of info stealers. Alex, welcome back to Podchats for Future CISO. It's wonderful to be with you again, Alan. Okay, let's set the benchmark. What is an info stealer malware and how does it work? Righto. Well, so if we go back in time, we had things like phishing started back in like 2000, 2002. That went into things like rockfish, which were more commercialized phishing. And then in about 2006, 2007, this thing called Zeus was released to the world. Now, I know that everyone's got a bit of malware fatigue and families don't really matter, but I think it's it's an interesting sort of, the idea being that info stealers, the name is is what they do. They, they steal information. But what they're really doing is they're interacting mostly with web browsers and they're actually getting inside web browsers. And, and the idea is to wait until you, as a victim, browse to a certain site that's pre-configured in what's called the config, funnily enough. And then they, the actual info stealer will alter your browser experience so that you will not know that your information is being stolen, your keystrokes are being logged. They can record things like screen video and screenshots, front screen keyboards, etc. They have always been called like banker trojans, but these days they're really fully featured spying toolkits in as much as they can basically do anything that they want on your machine once they're installed. They're very, very insidious. And because they've been around since about 2006-ish, they're very, very mature and very good at what they do in taking your information. So I take it that at least in Asia Pacific, info stealers are prevalent, but beyond stealing the information, what's the actual motivation in stealing the information? Are there any differences in the types of info stealer malwares used in Asia compared to other markets? Yeah, it's an interesting one. So if we sort of say maybe Australia, Pacific, Asia, and sort of put it as, as, as that sort of market there, we definitely have, have always been a testing bed for new types of attacks. And definitely when new banker trojans or new info stealers were released, we would often see them first in this part of the world. Now, there's a number of reasons for that, and you can sort of speculate all you'd like, but the basic reality is that oftentimes our region of the world would see these things first. And it's interesting because you mentioned up front the prevalence of ransomware now. The usage of these particular pieces of malware has moved from being bank-focused to now being generic stealing of information focus. And I think that's a really important distinction. It's now not just about getting your banking credentials because the banks have done a very good job of trying to secure those credentials and, and your money. And the bad guys have figured out that there's not that much return on investment around that anymore. But now it's about getting access to your company or your organization or where you work or your email box, that sort of stuff. So the pivot on how these things have, have been used has been quite marked in the last few years. How do info stealers work, particularly in Asia, especially the more successful in info stealers in the region? 
it's hard to be specific because it's like using a method, let's just say a method in inverted commas, they would get loaded onto your machine at home, your workstation, your work laptop, whatever that may be. And the bad guy will have a specific thing that he's looking for, be it access to your Outlook web access for potentially a business business email compromise scam or access to your corporate VPN credentials, that sort of stuff. It'll be definitely configured to look specifically for certain pieces of information and, and certain credentials that you could enter. Now, the other big part of this is, and I wanted to sort of make sure that we, that we touched on this, is that this data, there is, I would say, terabytes, if not more, of stolen data from the last 15 years sitting out there, right? We Back when I was in federal law enforcement, we would routinely see databases of stolen data stolen credentials and that sort of stuff that were in the gigabytes. Now it would probably be even bigger. So the idea being that these old passwords that you've had from you know years ago, people are now mining that data to say, okay, hey, I want access to that company in Malaysia. Let's have a look at all the data that we've been stolen for the last 15 years and find a credential for that company. And unfortunately, oftentimes it works because that credential hasn't been changed in 15 years <laughs> or five years or two years. So that's what I think is we're seeing now is a lot of previously harvested data are being revisited by crooks because now the whole business model has shifted right now it's about mm. access brokerage if we're going to use that term where you will pay me for access into your in, into that company so i'll just look at this data that i've stolen over the last years and i'll find a credential i'll sell it to you and you can use it to, to access it and then do whatever it is that you want to do now you mentioned the word vpn or virtual private networks at the start of the pandemic we've noted any increase in the use of vpns will the use of vpns lessen the threat of info stealers yeah, that's a really good question. And the answer is yes, if. The yes, if means that VPNs will help only if, because VPNs will encrypt the traffic, right? But the VPN access into your company network, into your corporate network, that password considered stolen. If you have a second factor, if you're using MFA or a Google Authenticator or an RSA token or one of these second factors, that will definitely help stop them getting access into your network with that credential that they've stolen. So that's why it's a yes if. It will help protect your corporate network if you're using multi-factor. Because the problem is that if you consider that user or that admin password is stolen, they can use that to walk right in through your VPN. It's not going to do anything to help you unless you're using that extra multi-factor. You're suggesting that organizations implement uh, multi-factor authentication, which is prevalent in some applications, especially banking applications. To the extent that we have the use of VPNs and multi-factor authentication, what other misconceptions are there among CISOs and security professionals and users when it comes to combating info stealers? This is a hard one, and this, this is where I want to take a hard line, but it's hard for me to do this because it's, it's almost like we need to understand as organizations around the world, in, in Asia or in Australia or wherever we are, that passwords are not a security feature anymore. With the rise of info stealers, this is not me sort of saying, you know, the sky is falling and everything's terrible, but it is a factor of we need to understand that a single password for a VPN access or for some sort of external access into your account, into your business, we need to consider that as being stolen or potentially stolen at some point in the future, which is why we need to move towards things like multi-factor. And yes, they have historically been potentially difficult to implement. I remember when, when I was back at the banks, we, we spent millions of dollars trying to implement multi-factor authentication. This is back in the olden days um, with, with key fob tokens and that sort of stuff. But these days, it can be a lot easier. You know, like you use things like Google Authenticator, Microsoft Authenticator, Salesforce Authenticator. Everyone's got an app now, right, to help you move beyond that simple username and password type access. And while that might be, well, username and password, you might find and, and you might 
might discover as as a, as a CISO or as a CIO that we expect that to be secure enough for our internal authentication. That's fine. Okay, you've got all the controls, you've you've implemented, you've done your programs of work. That's great. But for external access in for things like VPNs and Outlook Web Access and other external access into your network, you really need to be moving towards a second factor or a multi-factor authentication thing. That's where if if I was giving advice to a CISO or a CIO these days around how do we combat info stealers from getting into our networks, I'd say definitely that needs to be top of your priority list. Question, will the adoption of FIDO2 uh, passwordless and passkeys help in the fight against info stealers? And given that it seems that we are in an escalating war, we do something innovative, the cyber criminals will use this very same technology against us. So do you anticipate cyber criminals finding ways around these uh, FIDO2 passwordless uh, passkeys trends that we are seeing in recent years? Yeah, I think it's inevitable. I think that doesn't mean that we shouldn't move towards these more secure, you know, or, or, or more, you know, like security is always a balancing game. It's always mm-hmm. functionality and security. You try and get that sort of balancing act right because as security professionals or as CISOs or as CIOs, our job is to enable the business to operate. That's our job. So we need to say, okay, we're going to do security and we're going to involve maybe new technologies like FIDO2, that sort of stuff to say, this will give us a bit better balance between security and functionality. But what we must never do I think is as part of this discussion is we must never say we're done you know security is never done <laughs> just because we've moved towards a new technology and we've got maybe some better features and, we're, and we've exited a threat we are as, as you're saying Alan we're now bringing in potentially new threats in the future so it's just a, that's why this is a never-ending game basically which is a hard thing to say now coming into 2023 what strategies will work best against info stealers and how should CISOs work with CIOs and and the rest of the organization to better secure the business against info stealers. I won't beat the dead horse around MFA anymore. I think we've talked about that enough. <laughs> but I think definitely programs of work around SecureWorks and myself, we're big on visibility. Obviously, if you can see the threat, you can deal with the threat, right? So the idea around info stealers is they don't exist in a bubble. But what I mean by that is there is always something around them that you could see, be it what loaded it, be it the spam that delivered it, be it the cobalt strike or whatever attack tool was used to put it into your network, the abnormal user login activity, be it, you know, like you've got a user in, in Laos, all of a sudden they're logging in in a German time zone. That's odd, right? So I think things like understanding that, yes, let's do our endpoint, let's have our antivirus and our EDR, XDR, our our endpoint tools, whatever that may be to give us that visibility, but understanding that other things will be occurring at the same time as that info stealer is being delivered. And we can see those and we just need to act on those. What are your expectations for 2023? I think we're going to genuinely see a much further move towards the, trying not to coin a phrase, ransomware-less ransomware, which is where if we think about what we're seeing now with the name and shame ransomware attacks, where they're stealing the data, but also locking up your network with ransomware tools, I think we'll probably see a bit of an advance in just the stealing of data and shaming attack and sort of not worrying about the ransomware element. Not from all. I think obviously ransomware is going to keep existing. I'm not saying at all that it's going to go away, but I think the idea and the business model of, well, I've got your data and I'm going to tell the world all your dirty little corporate secrets unless you pay me money, I think that is now an established business model, as in from a criminal point of view. And I think that may be where they're sort of going to go, where it's like, well, I don't need spend the time trying to encrypt the entire network. I can probably still earn a few million bucks just by stealing the data and naming and shaming them or threatening to name and shame. So I think ransomware-less ransomware, to to, to coin a phrase, or just just what we used to call flat out extortion back in the olden days, (laughs) I think might be where we're going, but still using those same techniques of access into networks, using things like info stealers and things like, you know, 
other penetration or security testing tools to get access to your network to find those juicy bits of data to steal and then hold you to hold your feet to the fire as it were i think that might be pretty big alex thank you for joining us on podcast for future CISO. thank you very much for having me alan i look forward to chatting again in the future that was Alex Tilly, Head of Intelligence Research for Asia-Pacific at SecureWorks on the topic of combating the rise of info stealers. You are listening into podcasts for future CISO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CISO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podcasts for Future CISO. Bye for now.